Welcome back to another episode of How Did I Get Here? On this episode, I continue my discussion with Chris Garinger, the number one recommended recruiter on LinkedIn, except we turn the tables and talk about the interview and recruiting process. Listen along as I ask Chris questions on how to stand out amongst the crowd. I'd like to now switch gears and ask you some questions relating to university recruiting and things that stand out to you in the interviewing process. Um, So what would you say is the first thing you look at on a resume? Yeah, um, first thing I'm looking for is that resume should be uh, well thought out. And that may sound uh, simple from a high level perspective. But what I mean more about this is that individuals have really given thought to what their resume looks like. uh, What is that formatting? uh, No grammatical errors um, in that in that resume. And in addition to that, really showcasing things that they have accomplished outside of the classroom. You know, so as an example, I've met many students where um, it's the same project that they've worked on. So you're in a particular class and everybody's working on that same project and they have that project listed and that's really where it ends. Um, And then other students where it has that project listed and it gives a bit more explanation or or maybe they had a leadership position on that project, right? Some more information around what they actually did. Um, Those types of things really stand out for me uh, when I'm looking at a resume, again, from a high level perspective and not getting real job uh, specific. I'm sure you've read through, you know, thousands, maybe tens of thousands of resumes in your career so far. Is there one or two that just stick out that were super memorable to you and and why? Yeah, that's a really good one. I, I first like to think that um, memorable resumes are different. Um, and so what I mean exactly is if you go into a career services uh, center at your university, they do an amazing job. Uh, but generally, they've got a pretty uh, solid template that they're using for every single university student that comes through there. And they may tweak it a little bit here and there, but you see the same resume <laughs> over and over and over. So um, what I've, what I've really loved before is, um, you know, especially let, let's say, for example, Jason, if it's some sort of design position. So um, let me take uh, my time at Tesla, for example, and, and, and car enthusiasts and, and, and design there. Um, I've seen resumes before where there would be a picture of a vehicle that that individual designed or was a part of that design um, towards the top of that resume. It was smaller, so it didn't take up a ton of room, but it was there, which really caught my eye and thought, oh, okay, this is different. This individual is taking a little bit more thought into the resume. They're also showcasing what they do. And I haven't even read anything about their resume. Um, The other thing that really catches my eye is when people are able to link into uh, maybe their own personal website or link into um, other information about them, be it GitHub, for example. Um, So they, again, they're they're able to um, say, hey, here's my resume. This is, you know, quote unquote, my calling card or my one pager that's about me. But I also want to show you there's more to me than just this. And here's how you can see that. And or, you know, here's here's a link um, to, you know, as I was mentioning with the car designer, here's a link. I put together a portfolio that shows you how I rebuilt this car from, you know, from scratch. So things like that um, really stand out. I don't know that there's one or two you know specifics in particular, but it, again, it's these little things um, that people have been able to do that separate themselves from the masses. Because as you mentioned, you know, I've 
been through tens of thousands of resumes um, in my day. And um, I'm looking for those things uh, that will really catch my eye. I'm sure that, you know, it's different between different companies and different recruiters. But um, from your experience, how often do you, you know, click on those links and poke around? And, you know, if, if it's something towards the top of their resume, how likely are you to, I guess, investigate a little further? Yeah, that's a great question. And every recruiter is different on this. Um, I wish I could say that I speak for all, but I don't. Um, I personally spend a lot of time clicking into those things, especially as you mentioned, if it's at the top of the resume. Um, and and if it's if it's important um, and it's something you want to grab attention, you know, again, do try to find an opportunity to put that, you know, closer to the top of the resume and not allow it to get buried in the bottom. Um, but I do. I click into LinkedIn pages. I click into GitHub. Uh, pages. I'll click into, um, you know, student projects, whether that's individual or whether that's a part of a team project. Um, and I found that that's where the gold is, uh, because thinking about it from a recruiter's perspective and working with a hiring manager here, Jason, if I send a manager, let's say five resumes for a particular position, the quality of those resumes will be good. Okay. That, that we'll say that's a given because I've screened them. The information in those resumes should be all somewhat the same because we've got the same search criteria. We've got the same job description we're recruiting against. So then we have to look at the next layer, and that is what are these things that may separate themselves? And if I'm able to click into something and find a really good nugget of information or that gold, like I mentioned earlier, that's also really easy for me to call out or for me to highlight when I send that resume over to a manager. So again, you know, I, I'm personally spending time doing that. I can't speak for everyone, but the way I look at it, Jason, is if you don't put that information there, you don't have that opportunity to separate yourself, whether that recruiter is actually going to take a look at it or not. Absolutely. No, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, what would you say is your favorite interview question? <laughs> You know, it's funny. I got asked this question years back in one of my first uh, agency recruiting jobs, and it was a closing question, actually, after the interview was pretty well wrapped up. And the gentleman asked me, what movie do you feel would best describe you right now? And I know it was a question to catch you off guard. Um, like many kind of silly interview questions that I, you know, I, I say silly with air quotes here, you can't see, but silly interview questions. Um, but this question really made me think, and I've used it before, and it gives insight into people that you would never get otherwise. And I think that it's one of those things where it's not this really crazy one off question that's a stumper. Generally speaking, people need a second you know, to five seconds to kind of think about it, to give you that answer. And they generally will. And once again, Jason, it just gives you a lot of insight into that individual. Hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really awesome. That's an interesting question. Mm -hmm. um, what stands out to you most during an in-person interview? Yeah, great question. Um, so a couple things stand out to me. Uh, first and foremost is I want to make sure that individual is prepared. And in prepare, there's a couple of things that come with that. First of all is I want them to show up in a professional attire. That, I'm not saying a suit and tie. That's not what I mean here. It's respective to the role and the company and the environment that you're going to recruit for. But 
um, you should err on the side of being a little bit more professional than less professional. This is especially, you know, I'm saying this towards uh, for students uh, that may be listening. Um, that's one thing. The other thing is in, in an in-person interview is that I think that a lot of people have gotten away from coming to that interview with a copy of their resume or multiple copies of the resume, any kind of portfolio information they may have as well. So the lack of showing up with that is, is, um, is a big miss. Um, and then the other thing really is taking notes um, and having that pen and, and, and paper with you. I know it may sound a little old school, but um, it's those things that really show your preparedness as a candidate. And as you think about, especially the younger generation coming up, doing interviews for internships or new grad roles, a lot of times you may be interviewing with managers who are kind of old school, if you will. And so these things kind of strike that chord with them in a positive way. Uh, but more importantly, um, the again, the overarching sense is that you're coming very well prepared and you're also coming to listen and learn because you've got that pen and paper with you. You're taking those notes um, so that you can then build off of that. So those are some things that kind of come to mind for me, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. I always bring, you know, at least two resumes, one for the person who's interviewing me and then, you know, one for myself, not just because, you know, of course, I, I know the projects and I know what's on my resume, but to make sure, you know, that I'm able to hit all the points on there and stuff like that and helps make you, uh, I guess, feel a little less nervous, too, when you're sitting there in the interview room. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so currently in your current position, you also oversee university recruiting at three different campuses. So what can a college student do who does not attend one of the universities that your company recruits at? Uh, what can they do to make their application stand out? Yeah, really, really great question. And I'm glad you asked this because I think that um, just in general, this has, has been a question, a concern, a struggle for students. Um to try to get into to companies, especially some of these larger tech companies who are going to, you know, these, again, air quotes here, uh, these top uh, schools. What my recommendation is, is that um, first and foremost, you always have to apply. So, so don't miss that step. Always apply for open roles that you see that are a good fit. Don't apply for every single role. Um, trust me, recruiters will talk and they'll say, hey, did you see that person? Oh, yeah, they were they apply for all 100 of our internships or all 100 of our new grad roles. That's not a good look. <laughs> um, you, but but it is OK to apply for multiple jobs because the likelihood is that there are multiple jobs available that you could be a good fit for. That's the baseline. The next thing here, Jason, is that I believe still that the best way to network right now and has been is through LinkedIn when it comes to professional um, things, whether it's a job, whether that's building your network or your own brand or your own business. So my recommend, my recommendation to folks that to your question that may not be going to these schools that you recruit at is that you need to identify the companies, create a short list of the companies that you're really interested in working for. You need to then go in, find the university recruiters who are working in these companies. You need to try to connect with them not just a connection, but also putting a message in that connection request as to why you want to connect with them. And then you need to follow up with them. So some recruiters are very active on LinkedIn, some are not. Again, I, I can't speak for all recruiters, um, but by trying to connect with them first and foremost, um, that's going to be uh, a standout candidate. And so from there, once you connect, 
um, you can start to have that dialogue and you can start to, to make those connections. Um, so that would be one thing that I would highly recommend those students uh, do. The other thing I would highly recommend th that those students do is to see if there are any alum from their university that are working in these organizations that they would like to work for and connect with them on LinkedIn and or ask uh, their alumni association if they can help them to get email addresses or connect with these individuals in any way and leverage those alum. Because when people reach out uh, to me from my alma mater, I am you know, really, really interested in helping them. Not that I'm not interested in helping everyone, but as you can imagine, you know, I may go a little bit further for those individuals. And so leverage that because they're already in these organizations. They can open doors for you that you otherwise would not get open. Um, that is the brutal reality of the recruitment, especially for interns, because there are just so many applicants for these positions. One other recommendation I have, which may seem a little rogue to some folks here uh, listening, but going back to my statement earlier about how I start my day in these Google Alerts, um, I would set up Google Alerts for these companies that you want to work for. If you find an amazing article, let's say, about that company or about technology that they're working on, whatever the case is, I would post that to LinkedIn and I would at mention those recruiters that you've already you know, identified as university recruiters at that company say, hey, you know, for example, if we're if we're talking me and you, Jason, I would I post that article. Hey, you know, at Jason read this really amazing article about your podcast, um, you know, would love to be uh, on your podcast, hoping to connect with you or something of that nature. Right. Um, you're you're kind of breaking that mold, um, first and foremost, about how you approach employers but then more importantly, breaking the mold about how you're utilizing a platform like LinkedIn for good. So those would be, you know, top of mind uh, recommendations that I would have for those students. Yeah, no, those are three uh, awesome points. And going back to LinkedIn, whenever I connect with someone that maybe I didn't meet before, maybe we have mutual connection, but maybe we don't. I always uh, add a little personal message and in invitation because I believe you know, they're more likely to connect with me rather than just people, you know, just spamming uh, connections out there. Yep. And, you know, at what point should someone make a LinkedIn? Should it be, you know, a high school student? Should it be a freshman in college, a junior in college? When do you think is a, a good time to start making a LinkedIn? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I've seen this um, evolve over the years and in, in being on LinkedIn. As a university student, I think you should absolutely have a LinkedIn account going into university, if not before that. And the if not before that is really dependent on, do you have any uh, credible information to put on your profile? Or do you have any projects that you've worked on? Or are you involved in, um, let's say you're involved in charity events um, and, and giving back, right? Things that may be able to tell a little bit of a story about you, who you are, what your passions are, um, just to at least kind of get your feet wet um, on LinkedIn. And then as you get into university and you start taking courses and you start networking with folks or you start becoming part of different groups, that's when you want to be continuing to build upon your profile and adding that information there. Or as you create maybe an external website or a portfolio that you're including a link to that on your LinkedIn uh, profile. But I think, you know, I'm 
in, in today's age, more and more university students do have a LinkedIn profile, which I'd love to see. Um, I would just like to challenge everyone to um, make that the best that it can be, make it as robust as it can be, and really think about your LinkedIn profile as your external calling card and really the, um, the vehicle that is likely going to help you either get your next job or connect with somebody who may, you know, lead you into a job in the future. Yeah, no, that, uh, that makes a lot, a lot of sense. And how important are cover letters to you? Yeah. You know, this is one where I may get a lot of pushback from, from others, but I honestly don't value the cover letter that much. There are a couple of uh, instances where I think a cover letter would be important. And some of those would be if you are trying to make a career change. So, you know, let's say you've been going down the path and, and you're in business and now you're trying to become a software engineer. Um, so you need to tell a story. For example, it's kind of like you can think about it, Jason, like um, an application for a university, an entrance exam or something like that, where you need to be able to tell a story about why these why this university or why this individual should put you on the list to be accepted. But in a normal state, I think that a cover letter is not necessary uh, because you should be able to tell your story through your resume. Um, in addition, you should be able to tell your story through your LinkedIn profile or your GitHub profile or any other external uh, resources that, that you may be utilizing to really build your presence online. So, again, I personally don't take a lot of stock in it. I don't know that I would really encourage students to take a lot of stock in that. Um, but again, to each their own, because you do have to personalize uh, your own approach to um, to your career pathing. You know, um, and so you can take advice from some, but but also just kind of keeping in mind you want to make it your own. Yeah, no, it's uh, great to get the point of view from at least uh, you know one uh, professional recruiter. So yeah, I'm sure each one's different. Some companies might require it. Maybe some others it's optional or not even asked for on the application process. Right. And my final question for you is. With the current coronavirus pandemic, how do you see the future of recruiting, um, whether that be, you know, at universities, whether it's the on-campus recruiting events or just kind of uh, recruiting in general? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think we're still really in a huge phase of learning and, and we'll see what the kind of the outcome is with this. What, what kind of comes to mind, though, with this is that obviously recruitment is going to become ever more virtual. And students have to find ways to plug into this. Uh, right now, I know many folks are getting really burned out on another Zoom meeting or another WebEx or another Google Hangout. Listen, I get it. I, I'm in that same boat now. But if, if I'm speaking to students, um, I, I'm saying get on every one of those that you can when companies are putting on a tech talk or showcasing their program and, and what it takes to become an intern or a new grad at that respective company. Again, going back to LinkedIn, folks before who, uh, students that is, who relied on going to a career fair or going to uh, maybe a networking event with their uh, respective student group, um, that's not there anymore. Um, it is turning virtual, you know, so, so it is still there in a, in a certain sense. But 
it's a whole different environment. To your question earlier about that face-to-face interview, it's kind of like that. You're you're losing a lot of that um, that piece of what maybe separates you um, from from others in a face-to-face environment. So now you've got to reinvent yourself in a virtual environment. And so doing everything you can to connect with folks, doing everything you can to build up your you know your LinkedIn profile, for example, um, as a student, that's going to be imperative. Um, and, you know, from a recruitment aspect of it, companies are having to really shift the way that they try to um, identify students. And, you know, for me personally, Jason, I, I, I've leveraged LinkedIn and other external sources for so many years now that, you know, I'm not finding that it's taken too much of a hit for me personally. Um, however, there are a lot of companies, whether they be just younger in their university uh, recruiting program or just folks that maybe historically have just relied on um, that campus involvement. And they're the ones really that are um, kind of more in this fight to figure it out and try to see what is the best ROI. Um, and one of the things that I've kind of challenged myself and, and challenged my own team with right now is uh, because everyone is getting burned out in all these virtual meetings and connections, you know, you have to look at it um, as what can I do to be a value add to this student? Or what can I be, what can I do to be a value add to this particular group? And what I mean by that more specifically is, you know, I don't necessarily want to just put on a virtual tech talk. Um, I want to, for example, put on a virtual session on, you know, how how do you really create a great LinkedIn presence? How do you go about networking on LinkedIn? Things like that, right? Where you, you still are going to make connections with students um, and help to build that pipeline, but you're also uh, providing that value add to them. And, and they're able to walk away from it with more than just, oh, I found out how to get an internship there. You know, they're they're walking away from it with a ton ton of value. So answering, trying to answer your question really from both sides of it, from the from the student as well as the the company side. Thank you for listening to this episode of How Did I Get Here? To learn more about Chris and see what he is up to now, check out his LinkedIn profile. Subscribe to my email list to get a weekly email notification on the latest episodes and more. Both links are in the description of this episode. You can also support my podcast using the support button on the Anchor website. Until next time.